Bloody Elbow presents The Mookie and Crookie Show, a spin-off of the Level Change podcast that goes a little more in-depth on major combat sports news, as well as takes a humorous look at the crazy world of combat sports social media. Here are your hosts, Mookie Alexander and Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Mookie and Crookie Show. I'm your host, Mookie Alexander, joined as always by Steffi Haynes. And today we're going to talk UFC Vegas 49, a pair of rematches we definitely don't need to see. DAZN's pay-per-view pivot, a DDT in professional boxing, and more. But uh, before we get into that, Steffi, we record this on a Monday. And I was talking to you before we started recording this. And we don't normally have breaking news like right before we start recording, but we do in this instance. No more Rafael Dos Angeles versus Rafael Fiziev. Uh, so by the time the show goes up on Tuesday, maybe we'll get a replacement fighter. But that's a big, big task for, for any top lightweights on five days notice to take on RDA. This sucks. This really does suck because we're also losing out on the Battle of the Rafas. Because I was also looking forward to that. I was going to yeah. put it to bed once and for all. Yeah, it was Rafael versus Rafael. Somebody was destined to win and now... We, 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 this fight's cursed because it got pushed back for, for visa problems for Viziev, and now he's got COVID. So th- this fight ends up being off of 272. And I, I know that there have been suggestions of Issa Makachev, who we'll talk about in a minute, and Armin Sarukian. And my response, my responses to those suggestions is, it sounds sensible because those two are, are high-level dudes, but I'm tired of watching Rafael lose those types of fights. Yeah. I don't think I'd want those either. No, yeah. no, no, no. If only Bobby Green hadn't taken this fight, he could have taken this fight instead. He, if he hadn't taken the Makaja fight, he could have taken this one. Probably still would have been on a streak, too. Yeah, because that would have been a much more interesting fight. But, man, we, we, we end up with uh, just the worst luck to, to, to start off the week. But otherwise, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, fights were good. Everything's been good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Uh, a lot of fights to, to cover Friday and, it, and into Saturday, and I just uh, kind of chilled out on Sunday. And if, if you've got the Roku channel, and I don't even think you need a Roku uh, app or a set-top box to watch it, the new season of Reno 911 is out, Reno 911 defunded. And to keep the combat sports-related, one of the stunt people is uh, none other than Frank Trigg. Wow, really? Yeah, Frank Trigg is, is one of the stunt people. He plays multiple roles. I, I definitely saw his face on, on one of the episodes, but th- this season is hilarious. It's not, we're, I'm not used to reboots being as good as, as the original, but this because the normal cast is there, it's really good. The Jamie Lee Curtis episode is absolutely phenomenal. She is just wonderful. You know, he was also in this, um, this current season of The Book of Boba Fett, too. He was playing one of the Gamorrean guards. So Frank Trigg is making the rounds. Yeah, he's the everyman from, from yeah. former UFC fighter to, to now he's a California State Athletic Commission official. I, I think he's a judge and a referee. Is he just a right. ref? No, he's both. He's both. And, and he's a stuntman for, for, for television and, and movies. So that's awesome. Yes, indeed. Some people do make it out. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about what happened on last weekend's car. But before we do, why don't you head on over to iHeartRadio through the iHeartRadio app or on iHeart.com. You type in Buddy Elbow Presents in the search bar. You find us, you hit subscribe, get fresh content. 
free podcast six days a week. So UFC Vegas 49, not a highly anticipated car, but it was certainly much better than I thought it would be. And in the main event, if you thought, like I did, that Bobby Green had a legit chance to beat us on Makachev, Makachev just straight up bulldozed him in a few minutes. Now, Green did well to stop the first takedown. He didn't stop the second one. And from there, was just a big brothering. So Bobby Green, kudos to him for taking the fight on short notice. But Makachev is that dude. Just dominating Bobby Green uh, with the first round TK. Only the second guy to stop Bobby Green with strikes. Dustin Poirier was the other one. And I know Bobby Green was the heavy underdog. And suddenly those odds look very justified. But the people who beat Bobby Green don't normally dominate Bobby Green the way Makachev did. So this dude is absolutely terrifying. For real. And people out there saying that Bobby Green wasn't that good. Come on. This guy's been on a Cinderella type run. And uh, people not named Islam Makachev have a very real risk. They they run that risk of getting finished at any time by Green. Um, God, Islam just went through him like a hot knife through butter, too. God dang, I just cannot get over it. And I, I like it. You know, Islam Makachev, a lot of people are out there saying, oh, everybody's rooting against Islam because he's Russian. I'm not rooting against him at all. Just because I was rooting for Bobby Green doesn't mean I was rooting against Islam. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was been a nicer story if Bobby Green pulled that off, but Makachev just showed why he, he's one of the best lightweights in the mm-hmm. world. And you know, it's interesting because you look at his record and he's just got the one loss in his UFC career, but in terms of fighting actual top 10 competition, it's really just Dan Hooker. And even then, he, he, he dominated Dan Hooker so easily. And even though he hasn't had a string of fights against top five, top six opposition, I still feel like with some of the ways that other fighters have gotten title shots recently at lightweight, you might as well get the next crack at, at Oliveira and Gaethje. Sure, I agree. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, I would have advocated for rebooking the Dariush fight, but if Dariush really has a broken fibula, if, if I recall, like that, that's not something that's going to heal up in a couple of weeks. So he, he could be out for a while. And even if they did rebook that fight, I, I feel like Makachev would be favored comfortably for one very obvious reason is that Dariush already has some questionable cardio for three-round fights. If this is a five-rounder and it lasts even beyond the second or third round, Dariush does not have a good history of, of keeping up with his own pace. Oh, and, no, not at all. Yeah. And it's not like Dariush is impossible to outgrapple. Like, we, we've seen Kiesa do it. And even though he's been on a very good run, Makachev seems tireless. And Dariush, I think, would end up getting stopped. But, man, if, if Makachev were to fight Oliveira, that would be more interesting to me than Gaethje. Like, I would love for Oliveira to win that fight because Oliveira-Makachev would be so much more fascinating. If we get Makachev-Gaethje, I feel like that's just going to be Khabib-Gaethje all over again. Yep. Yep. Man, yeah. Makachev is something else, right? What a juggernaut. Dude, yes. Good Lord. And he's finishing people now. I mean, there there was a good while where I wasn't too high on him because he was just winning by workmanlike decision. But I think this is four finishes in a row for him. Yes, it is. Yeah, so he's got probably as many finishes as as Khabib does in his UFC career overall. So one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven. uh, Yeah, I think seven finishes in his UFC career. 
and they've been increasingly more impressive. He submitted Dober, Moises, Hooker in a row, and now he TKOs Bobby Green. Now, the next question would be for Bobby Green, I still want to see him in a proper main event with a full camp. I wonder what would be next for him. I'd love to see him against um, Brad Riddell. Oh, I like that fight. Yep. Yeah, I'll give, give that. him that yes. type of matchup. For sure. Why not? Because these uh, these fight nights are threadbare as all get out anyways. Why not put something exciting like that in the main event? Yep. And, and he's earned it. And I hope that he's earned quite a bit of goodwill just for even taking this fight. Because if nobody said yes to Islam Makachev, I don't know how many people would have been satisfied with the Wellington term and Misha Serkinov main event. Although that did produce an, a, a kind of twist ending because I thought Terman was done in round one. I thought he spent his money in five minutes and then he just snatches an armbar in round two. So good for him. But man, Misha Serkinov, if you would have predicted a few years ago that the guy who started out beating Iwan Kutalaba and Nikita Krylov would drop down to middleweights and lose back to back to Christoph Jocko and Wellington Terman, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, this dude has fallen off hard. Man, golly. I just don't think that middleweight was right for him. Yeah, I don't think so. And, and I feel like he's kind of went down from 205 because there's just too many people who can hit really hard and knock him out. And those knockouts he, he suffered were brutal, the, the Johnny Walker one especially. And also the Uzdemir one was like in a half minute. So he doesn't have the best chin. And then at middleweights, he, he's got outworked by Jocko, of all people, and then submitted so quickly by Terman. That was as fast an armbar tap as I've seen. Like, he tapped within a second and a half. That he's, thing was locked in, so. I just think that he's so fragile. No matter what weight he's fighting at, he's always been really fragile, right? Yeah, and, and he's also had serious injury, too, I think, outside the cage. So right. it, this is probably the end of the road for him at the UFC. Gotta be. I mean, he would be perfectly serviceable in uh, PFL or, or Bellator. They, their light heavyweight division would benefit from a guy like Krilov. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But for the UFC, I, I think Serkinov has gone as far as he can. And the, the fall has been pretty dramatic. So Terman gets a win. Serkinov's job is probably done in the UFC. Somebody who saved their job, Priscilla Cachoeira, getting the win over Gion Kim and probably the unexpected fight of the night. I didn't even think this fight was good through two rounds. Uh. I thought it was sloppy as all hell. And then the third round was just <laughs> unbelievable. It was one of the best rounds of the year. And as much as I liked the third round, I hated the decision. And it's not just because of my thoughts on Cachoeira and the fact that I picked Kim. I felt that Kim did the better work. I thought so, too. I did not think that uh, Cachoeira should have gotten that. Cachoeira, she, I, what did I tell you the other day? She gets these decisions somehow. Don't know how it's happening, who she made a deal with, but somehow she's getting these decisions. Yeah, I can't recall a strike differential so wide for the winning fighter in a decision. 170, 102 was the significant strike edge for, for Ji Young Kim. So I thought the first round went to Cachoeira. Second round, clearly Kim. Now the third round, even with Cachoeira finishing strongly, and she threw more technical elbows than she did her actual punches, which were just winging hooks reminiscent of Leonard Garcia. And even though those shots definitely hurt Kim, Cachoeira got staggered like three, four times in that round. And, and that's my issue with the judging, especially in rounds like that. 
there's too much weight put on what what you saw most recently. A because lot. if you flip uh, if you yeah. flip that action the other way around, they they would have given the round to Kim. Yeah. I just, man, I'm not a fan of Cachuera, and I'm just not understanding how she got that decision at all. Yeah, I, I did not like the judging for this fight. I didn't like the judging for the Petrosian Gregory Rodriguez fight either, and I didn't even think that one was a robbery. But the one judge who gave Petrosian every round is out of his mind. <laughs> So just that, that was a bad weekend for judging in general. I'll talk about that a little later. But Kachuar, I will give her credit for the fact that she dug deep, knowing that her job was probably on the line uh, after the Robertson nonsense. And then she absolutely needed to win the third round. And in the eyes of two judges, uh, or, or wait, all three judges, I think, gave Kachuar the last round. But still, um, it, it, she ended up getting the victory. And maybe Kim is a victim of her own lack of serious power because there's no doubt Kachuar hits harder. Well, yeah. When she lands, though, that's yes, and that's that's what ir irritated me is Kim was landing so much more cleanly, mm -hmm. and, and especially the the head shots were just consistently there for her because Kachuar swings, she overswings to the point where she is wide open to be countered by any half decent striker. I mean, I yep. don't even understand what her place on the roster is. Uh, I, I I don't even know. It's, uh, to be fair about her getting these decisions, this is a, unbelievably her first decision win in the UFC. She had lost to Molly McCann and Caroli Luana Carolina by decision. She knocked out Shana Dasa. She beat Gina Mazzani. But that did not feel like a good decision. And I hope it doesn't cost Ji Young Kim her job because that's three in a row for her. And I thought that she won the fight. And she got fight of the night twice in a row. Yeah. And somehow Priscilla got a purple belt out of this. <laughs> Yeah, after that tremendous display of jujitsu we saw, I mean, you, you might as well give up the purple belts. <laughs> What's going on here? I, I, you know, I've seen it before where ceremonially you you just present it, whether or not they they use jujitsu. But uh, in that case, with the way that fight went, that was just amusing as hell. Yeah, it's called the Vitor Belfort treatment. Yep. So uh, let's talk about Armand Sarukian because, good God. Joel, Joel Alvarez was painting the canvas with his blood, or should I say Sarukian was painting out the, the canvas with Alvarez's face. Uh, the first elbow of consequence that landed in the first round just opened, the, the, the dam burst for Joel Alvarez, and then in the second round, Alvarez could barely see. I mean, that fight could have been stopped sooner, and Sarukian gets a TKO win. There is no doubt that, especially since we saw the way before against Makachev, Sarukian is a future top 10 fighter. Oh, yes. He might even be one right now. Oh, yes. And the way that he... um That was a broken nose right off the bat. It was a clean chip right out of the bridge of the nose, too. There was no fixing that whatsoever. There was no Vaselining it or anything like that. You weren't stopping that flow of blood. So if that had been a, a fight, no matter what, that would have been it. Boxing yeah, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Alvarez, first of all, again, he missed weight on the first try. Yeah. So he, he was like on the precipice of, of getting this fight canceled yeah. until he made it the second time. But as soon as Sarukian took him down, I thought, wow, that was easy. Alvarez is, is the bigger guy, but Sarukian is just too strong. And he is such a good grappler. And he's a, he's got some pop in his punches, too. We saw it in the um, Crystal Giagos fight. 
and the ground and pound he delivered was was something fierce. And I believe Alvarez also broke a couple of ribs too. Wow. So he, he he got absolutely busted up in this fight. He sure did, man. What the hell? Yeah, I wonder what's next for Sarukian. Like you could do Mateos Gamrots, but that's that's kind of like the same general ranking area. Him against Gregor Gillespie, I think, would be good. But where's he? He's number nine. But where's he? Yeah, I don't know where he is. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't see him fight enough. I, I, he, he got the win over, um, what's his name, Diego Ferreira? Mm. And, and that was a fight where I, it felt like he won by just being less exhausted than Ferreira. Uh, but still, his only loss is to Kevin Lee. I, I feel like if Gillespie could be more active, he, he could be something in his division. But Sarukian, I, I believe, has got the potential to be a title challenger. He is that good. Yep, so... All in all, a, uh, a quality card. Again, the Petrosian uh, Rodriguez fight, I did not agree with the decision, but I thought that was going to be fought of the night before Cachoeira Kim happened. And uh, we should also shout out Terrence McKinney. I mean, this dude, two fights, two finishes, choking out Farah Siam, uh, could have gotten a performance bonus for that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so he, he looks the part of, of somebody worth watching at 155. Oh, for sure. Yep. Farazim came in with a lot of hype behind him too. So that was, that was not some chump that he finished there. That was legitimate competition. No padding whatsoever. Yep. None at all. So he, he's got two fights, McKinney, and the previous one was knocking out Matt Favola in in, in what uh, seconds. So now he's got this as his follow-up. He's got a knock on and a submission under his belt. Yeah. He's got a great personal story and, and he's, he's persevered and he's overcome a lot in his life. So Good for him. I wish he could have gotten a bonus. And uh, I want to see more of Ignacio Bahamondes. Oh, for, wow. Right. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And Bala Muhammad, I think, is is, uh, is is a teammate of his. Oh. I swear I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he fights out of Chicago. So there you go. There you go. There you go. So, you know, you know what we should do right now? We should go and direct our attention over to YouTube. And when you get to YouTube, you should go to the search bar, type in Bloody Elbow Presents, and get yourself access to six days a week of free content. Free, premium content. You don't get charged a nickel because we're not one of those guys that are on Patreon or anything like that. We are only on the platforms that are free. So make sure you subscribe. Now, our first story here is about a free fight. <laughs> Mauricio Hua is returning. That's right. Shogun is returning against OSP. This is a rematch. One that nobody asked for, but we're going to get it anyways because this is all Mookie's fault. I blame Mookie because any fight that falls out is his fault. And so we get punished with fights like this. Mookie, how do you feel? I feel devastated. Uh, they're, they're better. The security has to be on high alert for this fight. I don't want to see any skateboards in the cage like the last time that trip up Shogun and get him knocked out. Um, I genuinely thought Shogun retired. I swear he retired, and then suddenly he, he gets this fight. And it, it's amazing we're even talking about Shogun like this because I think he's won five out of his last seven, but the way that he's lost to Paul, the way that he lost to Paul Craig, that looked like a dude who did not need to fight again. Mm-hmm. Not in good physical shape and tapped to strikes against uh, Paul Craig. 
in a fight that was barely competitive. So as much as OSP has fallen off, there's a good chance Shogun just gets his ass kicked again. Yeah, but I'm, man, I kind of feel like maybe uh, OSP fell off a little more. Yeah, it, it's it's possible because OSP hadn't looked good in a while either. I mean, the Jamal Hill fight, uh, didn't he go out to heavyweight to fight um, Tanner Bozer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, and he and he got stopped in that fight. He he knocked out Alonzo Menafield because power is the last thing to go, and he still has that. But he lost that Ben Rothwell fight. He's one and two, three, two and five in his last seven, and only Dominic Reyes. Uh, sorry, Rothwell took him to a split decision. Dominic Reyes beat him by decision, but I think that was an unofficial knockout because I remember it was a spinning elbow or something that knocked OSP down at the very end of the fight, and he was out. But they just let him go the distance. Um, you know what would be the saddest outcome if Shogun gets Von Flu choked by St. Prue? Oh my God, no! But it would be really terrible. <laughs> it, it, there's a non-zero chance that it could happen. This is the battle of the double washed. God. Like this is this is a fight that you would think Scott <laughs> Coker would book five years after they've been cut from the UFC. Hey, this is prime Scott Coker right here. Prime. This is a prime yeah. night. Yeah, 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 it is. So UFC 274 lost Glover Teixeira. Yuri Prohazga got pushed back to UFC 275 for whatever reason. And then you gain Shogun versus OSP. And I think I said the other day um, in, in our little Slack chat, that this card also had Michael Johnson versus Alan Patrick. And I went, Michael Johnson's still in the UFC? Both of these dudes are still in the UFC? I didn't know. But there is a good fight, a genuinely good fight that's also on this card. Brandon Royval versus Matt Schnell. Oh, that's a great fight. Yeah, it's a great fight. And knock on wood, Matt Schnell can get to this fight without it being canceled. <laughs> bubble wrap. Yeah, bubble wrap for everybody. Make sure everybody's <laughs> on weight. Let's let this fight happen because Brandon Royval is pretty much guaranteed fun. So we, we talked about Shogun OSP2 being a rematch nobody needs to see. Here's another rematch nobody needs to see. Uh, if you watched Bellator 275 last week, you might have seen uh, Sine Kavanaugh get a gutsy decision win over Leah McCourts in a fight where Kavanaugh was winning the first two rounds. Her knee buckled and clearly got injured. And then in the third round, McCourt, for whatever reason, kicked a few times and then opted to clinch and grapple with her for the rest of the fight, knowing she absolutely needed a finish. So Kavanaugh gets the win. Uh, we don't know how long she's going to be out, but... On the broadcast, they indicated that Kavanaugh is going to get a title shot against Chris Cyborg. Um, if your memory is bad, Cyborg knocked out Kavanaugh but a few months ago. And for some reason, we might get this again. So Scott Coker said at the press conference, we announced the fight, but I talked to John Kavanaugh. I said, look, let's see how the injury comes out. But she will be next in line. And if she's willing to do it and able to do it and physically able to do it, then we'll put it together where it's probably going to be in America somewhere, just to be honest, but you never know what the sport, what happens. It could extend out to the next time we come back to Ireland, but we would love to put that fight together if she's able to do it. Um, so again, this fight already happened in November. Cyborg knocked out Kavanaugh in 92 seconds. Why do we need to see this again? Did something happen to Kat Zingano? Did every other women's featherweight on the roster just get cut or is unavailable? Why? This is a horrible rematch. Because she was willing. Yeah, she was willing. It, 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 it's kind of a, I, I've, won, I've won the battle, but at what cost? It was almost better to lose this fight. <laughs> oh, man. 
because she has a pulse. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. it when it, when this was announced on the broadcast, I thought my mind was playing tricks on me. I, I thought something was going on. But no, Sinead Kavanaugh against Chris Cyborg 2. After the first fight where you saw that Kavanaugh couldn't deal with Cyborg's power punches at all. And Kavanaugh was put unconscious. So Cyborg gets another free win. I, I don't know. I, I thought Zingano was, was going to be next in line. And, and somehow she isn't. So, like, this makes no sense. If, if you're Kavanaugh and you're out six, seven months, maybe it's not the worst thing because that you're not going to get a, a super big payday to fight Cyborg. Probably didn't get it the first time. Are you really want, wanting to get it a second time to lose badly again? There's no path to victory for her. None. Zero. Nada. Yep. I don't get Bellator's matchmaking lately. This fight, Ryan Bader, Czech Congo 2, the, the, the worst one to me is still um, Yoel Romero and Melvin Manhoff. Oh, that one's all... Man, that's and they terrible. put it. They put it in France as if that. I mean, that's the type of fight that's going to make France go. You know what? We should have made this. We, we should have kept this shit illegal in our country. I mean, how old is Manhoof? Like uh, forty six or something? And it's not like Romero is, is that much younger. He might even be close to the same age. But Yoel Romero can absolutely light Melvin Manhoof up. Yeah, that's terrible. Ugh. Well, anyways. How about we go from one really terrible story to a another terrible story, but it's a little less terrible, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the UFC is finally going to return to London on March 19th. But guess what? <laughs> this show, I swear to God, I think London is a snake-bitten show. Uh, this show might need a new headliner. Uh, Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall was set to happen at the O2 Arena, but the Russian heavyweight could face issues trying to enter the country due to the ongoing war between his home country and Ukraine, MMA fighting has learned. On Sunday, a member of the parliament revealed on Twitter that the UK will not welcome the national sports teams of those countries who are complicit in Putin's unpro unprovoked and illegal, illegal invasion of Ukraine. So the lineup so far includes three other Russian athletes, Timur Valiev, uh, who faces Jack Shore, and uh, Shamil Abdurahimov and Sergei Pavlovich. So we have all these fights that might be in jeopardy. Mookie, what do you think? Yeah, this, this is the fallout from, from the ongoing war. And man, it, it just sucks that we're even talking about this as if this, as if this world needed another bad war going on. Um, but with UFC London, if we lose Volkov Aspinall, maybe you can just make Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker the main event because I think that was the co-main. And that's a pretty good fight in itself. But so while we were talking about this, Aaron Bronstetter of TSN said the USC has been trying to have Volkov and his team go to England as soon as possible in hopes of him being able to compete on the card. But Volkov and his team have not wanted to go early per Dana White. So take Dana at, at face value as, as normal. But yeah, there is probably a, a good chance that this fight just gets torpedoed. And let's be real, a lot of fights in the combat sports world because of what's going on. In, in Ukraine and, and with the backlash against Russia, a lot of fights could get canceled or postponed very soon. Indeed. Yep. 
I mean, th think about the ramifications beyond just combat sports. I mean, FIFA just announced that Russia has been booted out of the World Cup. I mean, they, they could qualify. They, they still had to get into a playoff to qualify. But still, um, ultimately, they, they're not going to be able to compete in Qatar this year. The women's team, which qualified for the European Championships this year, they're they're gone. The club level, uh, they can't compete in Europe, international competitions. So the fallout is really fierce. And for the Russian UFC fighters and, and for Russian boxers in general, this is going to be a tough time. And I also wonder about some of the Ukrainian fighters who are, are still in their home country. Like Yaroslav Amasov is Ukrainian, and apparently he's he's at home. He's in his home country. He's staying uh, to defend his country against the Russians. So there's a chance that, that we don't get Amasov versus Michael Page in May. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, mean, I know in Formula One, they've already removed the Russian GP and added a Turkish GP. So uh, no more. <laughs> they added a Turkish GP. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. God. Yeah, that's that's the breaks. Yeah, that, I think that that's sports for you. But um, think about some of the photos that we've seen, some of the news headlines that Lomachenko and Usyk are part of the Ukrainian defense. I mean, they're they're actually engaged in combat. Yeah. It, it is just wild to see. And, and of course, we know the story about Vitaly Klitschko being the mayor of Kiev and having to be prepared to, to arm himself. I mean, this is just unbelievable. And we had a boxing card on Showtime last weekend. Victor Postol got stopped. It's a terrible stoppage by the referee. But he, he still got family in Ukraine. So I, I can't imagine how, how much this has been weighing heavily on his mind to be preparing for a fight halfway around the world. And then you got to fly back to a literal war zone. Yikes, yeah. Yep, so for the UFC, they've certainly got a lot on their hands as far as Russian fighters. And, and I don't think they have any or many Ukrainian fighters at all on the roster. I think Marina Moroz is Ukrainian, but for, for Russian fighters, they got quite a few of them and they're heavily invested in that region. So depending on what else happens diplomatically and with sanctions and everything else with visas, et cetera, the, the combat sports schedule could get upended substantially. Indeed. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on UFC London. Uh, so we, I, before I get to the last news topic, apparently Hanato Moicano has thrown in his name to fight Rafael Dos Anjos on short notice. I didn't even think of that. I would like that fight. Yes, that's a great idea. Yeah, I don't know if... That's a fight that I would keep as a five-rounder on such short notice. But three rounds, five rounds, I'm down for that. Anato Moicano mm -hmm. is severely underrated. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes for the co-main event of UFC 272. That is a pay-per-view. And you know what else is a pay-per-view? Canelo Alvarez's next fight. It's um, going to be against Dmitry Bivol, who's Russian. So there we go. Uh, you know, that's another fight that could be in jeopardy. But that's on May 7th for the time being. And it's on DAZN pay-per-view. You might be going, what? Didn't DAZN have Tracy Morgan do all those commercials about how pay-per-view was going away and that pay-per-view was dead and Eddie Hearn was saying that that was it for pay-per-view except for one or two fighters? Yeah. Well, guess what? DAZN had to pivot. They had to cave. So if you are a DAZN subscriber in Canada and the United States only, so everybody else, you're good. But in Canada and the U.S., if you're on the monthly subscription of $20 a month, it costs you an additional 60 to watch Canelo versus Bivol in on the zone. If you're a non-subscriber, it's going to cost you 80 bucks, but included in that 80 bucks is a free month of the zone. So uh, 
this is the zone finally unveiling his pay-per-view platform it looks like canelo will also fight triple g in september if triple g wins his fight against Ryota morata in april and their social media team by the way DAZN boxing was getting absolutely railroaded and they were getting flooded with all sorts of angry letters because you might recall DAZN's own website said nope your monthly subscription fee is all you pay you don't have to pay extra for premium content so they responded the original sentiment around pay-per-view as a default being a broken model in boxing is something we stand by for the very occasional events such as this that necessitate pay-per-view, we now have the flexibility to explore fighters, mega fights, and innovative partnerships previously impossible. So sorry, folks. Pay-per-view is here to stay. It's stronger than ever. And I got bad news additionally for Canadians. The Ryan Garcia fight on April 9th is not a pay-per-view here. It is a $40 pay-per-view if you are in Canada. And that oh. is absolutely insane. For a Ryan Garcia fight. Yes, like Ryan Garcia will be a if he keeps up his his winning, he'll be a genuine pay per view fighter down the line. Him in a tune up fight is not ground for a pay per view. So oh sucks sucks if you're Canadian. But man, I, I could sense this was coming because DeZone's business model just wasn't winning people over, especially in this part of the world where they they just have boxing and some niche sports, other niche sports, and that's it. But doesn't mean I like it that the, the cost of being a fight fan is even more expensive if you want to do it the legal way wink wink but who called this several years back I believe that would be us that called this several years back yeah it, it was the case where all right it sounds cool for now but as soon as they started raising the subscription price it felt like the next step was, mm. all right, a pay-per-view is coming. So it's probably best if you're a DAZN subscriber to be on the annual fee because it's $100 for the whole year. So that averages out to, to eight-something a month. But I would be hesitant to do it because boxing and MMA are two sports where card subject to change is, is about as true as it gets as far as statements and cliches because we have seen so many fights canceled over the years, and now we're seeing them get canceled more often, not just because of injuries, but now you've got conflict overseas and you've got COVID still going around. I wouldn't want to sink $100 and, and not have an option to cancel and have so many fights potentially get nixed off the table. Yep. Can you imagine so, another 2020? <gasps> oh. Yeah, I, I don't want to think about that. So, so to clarify, if you are a DAZN subscriber this weekend, the Chocolate Tito fight against Julio Cesar Martinez, that's part of your regular DAZN subscription. But Canelo Bivol, Canelo Triple G3, if both parties win, that'll be on pay-per-view. And I just, I, I hope that this also doesn't mean Joshua Usyk is also going to be a pay-per-view. Aww. Yeah, th that, that would be god-awful. And it's not like I would be... I, I want to see the fight, but I'm just tired of having everything be put behind a paywall. Yeah. Yep, everything so is, though. Yeah, everything is. And to, to me, if you're a monthly subscriber and then you got to do all this pay-per-view stuff, and it could be two, three times a year, I don't care how rare they say it is, it'll sound like they'll do one every few months, if I were to guess. What makes that any different than being a Showtime subscriber? <laughs> because they have boxing cards pretty much every month. They have pay-per-views every every few months or so, but the cost to subscribe monthly is cheaper, and I get billions and and a, a bunch of other shows. Showtime is going to be a better deal than DAZN. 
I think somebody's been out there trying to say this all along. Yep. It, it's just, it, you can tell I'm frustrated. It's not that I'm surprised. It's more disappointed. Yeah. So I'm jealous of the people outside of Canada and the U.S. because they get all the pay-per-views. All the pay-per-views that we have to pay for here, including the ones that aren't on DAZN, the ones on Showtime or Fox or whatever, they're part of DAZN subscriptions everywhere else. It's like this this country, this continent is is conditioned to paying exorbitant amounts of money for pay-per-views. So think about this. April 9th, I think, is 270, USC 273. Um, and then April 16th is Errol Spencer, Dennis Ugas. April 23rd is Tyson Fury, Dillian White. May 7th is Canelo versus Bivol and UFC 274. So that is five pay-per-views between the UFC and boxing over the span of four weeks. That's a lot of money. Yep. All, all I can say is that uh, there are going to be a lot of people who will be fans of the, um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you know what I mean. <laughs> So uh, Canelo Bivolt, that's a fine fight. Um, I favor Canelo. I guess the other option was the Charlo fight, but that's probably not happening anytime soon. So he's back on the zone, but now he's behind an even bigger paywall. All right, let's get to what else happened in combat sports this weekend. Uh, so we had Bellator 275, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, Kavanaugh beating McCourt. The main event, Gegard Mousasi made Austin Vanderford look like a, a total... He looked like he came from 2006. Because Vanderford had wrestling and an overhand, and Musasi just blasted him out in 85 seconds. That fight was not the least bit competitive. That's one of the easiest fights Gegard's ever had. But you know what was so funny about that fight is going in, Vanderford had said how he wanted to win so bad because he wanted to look cool. He wanted Paige's husband to look cool. Yeah. Um, Bucky, that's, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my God. I, I just, I, he looked the opposite of cool for the duration of that fight. I'm thinking, oh, man, this this guy really wants to strike Gegard Musasi. Bucky. All right. Yeah. Bucky's. You're enjoying it a lot more than I am. I'll say that. I can't help myself. I mean, that he sounded so desperate. I want to be cool. I want to be cool. I mean, they could put that on his tombstone. I want to be cool. Like, this is some, like, Team Nick program. Oh, my goodness. And it's not like he's he's, he's a super young gun in sport. I mean, he, he's only been fighting since 2017 as a pro, but he's 31. It's got to be 32 in, in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so as much as as much as much we we have joked that Gegard Mousasi can occasionally get into trouble against guys he should be beating, Austin Vanderford broke that barrier by being a guy that Gegard Mousasi easily defeated. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, and also it occurred to me, Austin Vanderford has no wins over anybody with a Wikipedia page. Oh. Fabian Edwards, Leon's brother's his most notable win. That's not cool to me. (laughs) 
Tell you what, that, I, I don't think I've gotten any. I've I've never had a joke that I've said on this podcast that has made you laugh as hard as as Vanderford saying, "I want to look cool." <laughs> okay. It's got to be the saddest thing ever. I don't, I, don't, I want my wife. To, I want my wife to think I'm cool. Oh famous. We're gonna we're gonna mark that under famous last words before running into Musasi. Uh, you know what? The, the the Irish fans really love the hell out of Gegard, and and then he uh he played Sweet Caroline, much to my complete annoyance because I'm tired of hearing that song at sporting events. But they they, they seem to be a fan of him, and that's cool to see. I don't know what's next for Gegard at, at 185, but if if history is a guide, all Austin Vanderford needs to do is beat one dude, and it's time for a rematch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Musasi Vanderford too. Can I look even cooler? <laughs> All right. The last, the last thing on on, on this uh, on, on on our item for the week. <laughs> As I struggle to get us towards the finish line, we had one of the most insane, <laughs> one of the most insane endings I have ever seen in any combat sports match. This is on a DAZN card. This is a matchroom card in England between Jordan Gill and Kareem Guerfi. And unlike Austin Vanderford, this was actually cool. Um, if, if you didn't see the fight, Guerfi, uh, Guerfi rather, knocked Gill down in the seventh round with a left hook. He got up, he beat the count, but he, you could tell he, he wasn't totally there. And then if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, suddenly, Gill had his head smashed against the canvas in what looked like a dead ringer for a DDT. So if you look at Gil's eyes, he is all over the place. And even when he got up, his, his legs were wobbly. Doctor probably should have taken a look at him. Didn't. So the next two rounds happen. Gil's right eye swells up pretty considerably. And you think this fight's on the verge of getting stopped. And you'd be correct, except it was Jordan Gill who unleashed the perfect right hand to knock out Kareem Garfi. Pretty much as the round, the, the bell was about to sound. It was like two seconds left in the round. Garfi went out cold, fight over, and he goes from getting dropped and DDT'd in the same round to winning by knockout two rounds later to win the European featherweight title. And Jordan Gill is a guy with very few knockouts on his record, and he just put in the punch of a lifetime. I don't think I've ever seen MMA fights with a DDT like that. Yeah, I haven't quite seen a DDT like that, period. That was crazy. Yeah, he sold the hell out of it. Well, he sold it by, by getting concussed probably by, by the, the fall. The fall was worse than the actual knockdown. But, man, that was something. And we're like a week removed from somebody actually shooting a blast double in a boxing match because he's a, an MMA fighter as well. So good for Jordan Gill. And I have to rant about one thing. The Josh Taylor-Jack Catterall fight that happened before the UFC fights uh, begun, or at least the main card begun, that is a robbery. I feel sorry for Jack Catterall. He clearly won the fight. Josh Taylor is very lucky to have won it. And the British Boxing Commission launching an internal investigation of the judges is as farcical as it gets because they are probably the most incompetent and corrupt boxing commission I can think of in the entire world, like worse than Texas. The frequency of which they put out bad judging and bad refereeing, which was the case for both uh, on both fronts for that fight is unbelievable. So the reason why I feel sorry for Catterall is he's a mandatory challenger, much like George Cambosos was against Teofimo Lopez. 
and he's probably not going to get another shot to be undisputed. He probably got caught. He probably got jobbed out of a million, multi-million dollar payday as a result of that fight. And I am steamed about that still. And if there's one thing I, I am tired of hearing is that we need open scoring as a cure-all for bad judging. I don't get it. And we saw this in the UFC fights, too. What does open scoring solve as far as bad judging? You want to see the bad scores in advance? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think there's still something fascinating about open scoring being told to the corners or something so that they can adjust their fight strategies. But as far as it improving judging, I have yet to see a single coherent argument that that makes sense. It, 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 it's transparency. Okay, sure. It's transparency of bad scoring that hasn't changed for decades. Hmm. Like imagine a Canelo versus Triple G. We got open scoring and we got to hear Adelaide Bird's scorecard through, through round six and round nine. Hmm. What, what, what was going to happen? She was going to suddenly give rounds to Triple G after everybody heard the scores? Oh, man. Yep. So my, my combat sports weekend was pretty good, except for that. That really left a sour taste in my mouth. But then you see a DDT and then a KO in the same fight. And then it makes you fall in love with combat sports again. It's like, why can't I quit these things? You can never quit these things. We don't deserve them. No, we don't. But sometimes uh, we so get more treated. Late- Sometimes we do. Some more late-breaking news from on two fronts. One, KSW said due to the Russian Federation's invasion of Ukraine, KSW has made a tough, albeit ethically justifiable, decision to cancel Russian fighter Shamil Musayev's fight, which was scheduled for KSW 68. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. And then the second bit um, is that Gilbert Burns versus Hamza Chimaev appears to be lined up for UFC 273 in April. Wow. That's I think that's big. A, that, that is big. And one more bit of breaking news. Sam Alvey said on his YouTube channel, the UFC called in to tell him, and th- the hat tip to Cole Shelton for this, they will let him fight out the final fight of his contract. He has not been cut. They're going to give him another fight. Wow. God. And Zane, Zane Simon already said, maybe it's time for Sam Alvey, Misha Serkinov. Oh, my God. You know that's going to be the fight they make. And you know what's going to happen? He is going to win by split. By He's going to knock out Misha Serkinov. And the UFC is going to be so wild by that, they're going to give him a four-fight deal. Oh, Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the way to end this show on a complete downer of a note. Uh, look, if Sam wants to fight out his contract, go for it. But that doesn't mean I have to enjoy watching him fight much longer. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Mookie Alexander, Steffi at Crooklyn MMA, the show at Mookie and Crookie. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mookie and Crookie. You can listen to me and Steffi alongside Victor Rodriguez on the Level Change podcast on Fridays. We've got our UFC 272 picks and more in that episode. At least we had the decency of the fights getting canceled before we recorded that show, as opposed to what happens normally. Um, anyway, Steffi is on Care Don't Care with Eugene S. Robinson and John Ash on Mondays. It's already out. It's already out of date as a result of the Dos Anjos Fiziev news, but you probably had a few cares for this card. A couple, yep. Yep, so we got that going. Hopefully all the fights that you do care about stay intact. If you want to know where else you can find Buddy Elbow Presents podcast, you wait till the very end. You'll get the full list in the pre-recorded outro, which I've had up there for a while. So until next time, please take care of yourselves and then join us again for the next show.
Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, hop over to the Bloody Elbow Presents SoundCloud and iTunes pages, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, The Mookie and Crookie Show, The Open Guard Cast, The MMA Vivisection, The Level Change Podcast, The Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and of course, on bloodyelbow.com.